Struggling to remember those all-important camera settings and creative ideas when you're out with your camera? Then check out iPhotography flip cards. 30 pocket-sized, weatherproof flip cards with tips for camera settings, composition, exposure, and so much more. Slide them in your camera bag or wear them on a lanyard. However you carry them, just don't leave home without them. Check out iPhotography.com forward slash podcast for more exclusive discounts. Well, welcome along to another episode of the iPhotography podcast. And today I've got a guest with me. It's going to be Andy Elements. He is a local photographer that I've known for a little while in the Cheshire region. And he's he's kind of had a quite a bit of diversity with his photography over the years. As you'll t- as we'll talk about, um, we've spent a bit of time doing a bit of astrophotography, some weddings, some portraits. But he started to find his feet in product photography. And I thought it'd be a great guest to be able to bring on and hopefully talk a little bit about his experience. Um, because he's kind of fairly new to product photography, he's kind of getting into it at the minute, and um, the hurdles that he's facing as well, and how he approaches kind of getting brands and businesses to work with him. So we're going to jump into the interview. Um, we've got all the links for Andy's websites uh, and his Instagram handles in the description. So if you want to check out any of the images that we're talking about, then find all the details there. But I hope you enjoy it. Obviously, if you want to find out more information about iPhotography, you can just check out again. There'll be a link in the description. It's learn.iphotography.com forward slash podcast okay on with the show So Andy, welcome along to the iPhotography podcast. Um, I want to kind of start off with a little bit of a question if, if people obviously who are listening aren't familiar with your photography, um, but just kind of if you can give us a little bit of a bio about yourself as to, I suppose, what your photography has been like kind of over the past couple of years, how you decided to begin and, and what it's been like up until now. Okay. Um, I suppose it's a long one. Um, I'd, in terms of taking pictures, as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to take photographs of what's been happening around me. More for uh, memory's sake than anything. Um, back in the original days, when I used to go on nights out with friends, everywhere I'd go, I'd have an, originally, like a, it was a disposable film camera. Um, so we're talking sort of late 90s, early 2000s. And then I got, I think I got a, a Sony compact that could fit in my pocket when I used to go to, to clubs and stuff which is, I think, I found it the other day, I think it's 3.1 megapixel. Wow. Um, I, know, I know. And you know what? Some, I look back at some of the pictures and they're, they're clear as day. They're good pictures. I mean, Aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they like, it, it done what I needed it to do at the time. Competition's awful, but it allows me to look back at, <laughs> me to look back at photos of me when I was much younger and my friends before we, before we had any facial hair and all of that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good. And, and um, I think that that was kind of where my photography sat for, for many years. Um, it would be a case of snapping the odd thing out and about. And then as um, your, like your iPhones and your Sony Ericsson camera phones became a little bit more prevalent uh, and, and they were, the quality back then was terrible. But I was, I was always trying to snap stuff and shoot stuff when I was out and about to the point where people with me would get frustrated to be like, look, can we, we've got to do this or we're going to do that. Just stop taking photos of everything. <laughs> um, you became then, that person then, and, and there's one in every group that just can't yeah. stop taking photos. <laughs> yeah, and, and as, as, as with most groups, 99% of the people I was out with didn't want a camera pointed in the face and it was always me. So, and like, look, just put it away. <laughs> and, and that was, 
that was kind of the common complaint uh, for the first <laughs> sort of couple of hours of a night and then and then everyone would be a little bit more relaxed but um when i got with my now wife uh so we're almost what are we talking eight nine years ago now a fair while ago um i think she recognized that it was something i really enjoyed and we used to talk i i love and fasc- i'm fascinated by the, the sky and stars um, and we, I used to kind of say I'd love to be able to like get pictures of the stars and, and the moon and like and then I'd see pictures of like the Milky Way online. So when things like Instagram and I'm trying to think Flickr and, and you'd see pictures that people were starting to post of the night sky, I used to look at them in awe. Um, and then I'd try and do it on my on my Sony Ericsson phone or my Samsung, <laughs> and it'd just be black. Um, and I think I, I must have. I, I don't. I don't consciously remember, but I must have been dropping a few subtle hints here and there. Um, because uh, if I remember, I think it was our first Christmas together. My my wife bought me um, a very old um, 350 Canon 350D. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking. I want to say was it must be maybe 2003, 2004. But I used to, as as people probably say, I used to say I'd love to have a proper camera. And, and, and see the other one. I'd love to have a proper camera to take a picture. I now realise that whatever camera you've got, you can still take a good picture. Um, but it's, she, she, it's so funny that people, sorry to interject, it's so funny that people right. say that a proper camera that years ago that meant, yeah, maybe going into like a DSLR and now then it, it, you could have a proper camera or a decent camera, let's say, on an iPhone. So it, it's yeah. kind of almost gone full circle. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a Canon 350D. It was battered. One of the batteries had melted. Um, <laughs> it, it was a kit lens that was had fungus in the glass. But I was I was just made up with it because I was able to go and take what I would say were proper photos. Um, and I, I just and I think that started that truly started my my photography journey. Um, I started to uh, pay a lot of attention to. I'd say probably YouTube was my my source of my initial sort of learning curve. So your old Jared Poland um, digital red videos, spend a lot of time watching them and seeing what they were doing and listen to them talk about kit. And then I'd always want all the newest kit because I can't take star pictures with an F5.6 lens. No, I need to get an F2.8 or I need to get an F1.4. And as you can imagine, when you, when you first start to learn about all these new things. Um, but I really got into astrophotography um and i i upgraded my camera and my lens a little bit um and i started to basically our life and whenever we went on holiday was all based around where i could get a good picture of the night sky hmm. um so we went on holiday to iceland we went on holiday wow. to lanzarote like dark spots where we could, yeah. we could afford. iceland by the way everyone needs to go there it's incredible oh it's um, on my bucket list you know I've, yeah. I've, my, my dad's been there and i'm so jealous because he didn't even have a camera uh, but now it does it does now he was there with work and and since in the past like kind of few months actually we, we bought him a camera for his uh, retirement um, yeah. and so he's out all the time but yeah it's the black sand beaches and, and places like that are just i you know it's not necessarily a, a kind of a tropical place to take the family and all but yeah right. it would be kind of a, a, a personal holiday let's say <laughs> Yeah, we, we were fortunate that the first few nights we stayed in Reykjavik, so uh, didn't get much opportunity to photograph much night sky, but obviously Reykjavik's beautiful, and it was the start of February, so it was freezing cold, um, and, and like minus 13, I think it was, one day when we went for a walk. Is it, is it ever um, warm in Iceland? I just I always assume everything's in the minus figures. 
think I think it's like mild British spring when it's summertime. They have oh, festivals right. that people go out to, so it must be a, maybe they just wear good jumpers. Who knows? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, I managed to get my first ever picture of well, my first and only pictures of the the Northern Lights um, and a little bit of the Milky Way. Um, and I was so enthusiastic about capturing the Milky Way. When you when you go online and you, you look for astrophotography Milky Way, you can see it really clearly, and you can see yeah. the core, and um, and that basically become my um, my ph- photographic goal for what, what talking maybe 2013 through till about 2016 when I when I, I suppose you could argue that. I would, learned my craft enough to know when and where I needed to be to capture it. Yeah. Um, but the frustration thing is you need to be very far away from the city and you need to be uh, on a clear night. So the British weather kept throwing up these obstacles and I was um, struggling to get any pictures of a night sky. So I started to change. My taste started to change and I started uh, my Chester Elements um, Instagram page I suppose it's a bit of a side project. I was working very hard in my corporate life, um, which I had alongside my photography. Um, and I, mo- I started to take photographs of like the city and get into more sort of street photography. And so I could just go out with my camera and, and see and recognize things around me and, and capture them and, and start putting them together in a bit of a, uh, yeah. as you're saying, a, a, flat, a grid on Instagram. And that, that's, that, that's the route I went down um, for quite some time. Uh, but it doesn't make any money. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, getting into photography, there are there's avenues. Certainly, you can go down, but uh, not every single one of them yields money and, uh, and yields a lot of money, and sometimes doesn't yield it very quick or not quick yeah. enough. So it's it is it's tricky, but ultimately, you know. Most people, well, I like to think everybody does it for the same reason that they picked up the camera in the first place. It's just purely out of love, out of, a, as you as you said, out of a pursuit to maybe capture the Milky Way or to kind of capture some certain types of photographs. Nobody picks up a camera and thinks, I'm going to do this to make loads of money because it's it's not a kind of a pursuit or an art form that is guaranteed to to do that really That's as well. Not. But it's it's nice that you've been able to kind of blend that, you know, a little bit more into, into your work. So kind of, it, is it in like the past couple of years that you've started to be more let's say professional not that you weren't beforehand but you're taking it more seriously as like a side business at least yeah so i um i, I think there's, there's always been people that said and, and this is this is um something that you as you start to become uh, i suppose you could say in inverted commas a more professional photographer you realize that um, you're never good enough. You can always improve. But I always have a lot of friends who would say, oh, you're really good at photography. Why don't you do it as a job? Why don't you do it as a job? And I was I was kind of, originally I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to end up making something that I love doing feel like work. Yeah. Um, but needless to say, I had an opportunity to do some wedding work and then a bit of portrait work. Um, so I thought, you know what? I'll give this a go. Um, Weather photography is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I will, hats off to any wedding photographer, especially those who are doing it three, four times a week. I mean, two times a week would be yeah. enough for me. It is hard, hard work. Um, and I've, I've done a handful. Like, I, I, I think the last one I did wasn't long before um, the world went to the way it's been for the past year. Um, and I think that that's given me a bit of an opportunity to reflect on how hard it is and how 
not unrewarding, but not the path I want to go on. Um, so I've done a bit of wedding photography. Portrait photography, I still do now and again. Um, a bit, a kind of a mix of a bit of family and headshot stuff because I've got a few people that know who I am. Um, and kind of when somebody asks if they know a photographer, they'll, they'll send them my way. And it, it would never be um, something that I'd be able to do as a, as a full-time career, but it's enjoyable. It yeah. gives me a bit of variation in, in, in my art form, I suppose you could say, and gives me the opportunity to play about. Um, but one of the things that happened, as, as everyone will know, um, early last year was the pandemic hit. And I, I and a lot of other people found myself suddenly going from being able to take photographs all the time and getting out and about and to not being able to do anything. Um, and then, of course, we had the first lockdown where we were, we were confined, not completely confined to our indoors, but I think my, my wife and I have a lot of vulnerable people around us and she works um, in the NHS. So we were, I suppose you could say, super careful. Yeah. Um, so my, uh, my creative outlet was immediately taken away. Uh, because we were we were just stuck indoors, um, so I started to kind of watch a lot of YouTube videos about photography to try and scratch the itch, I suppose you could say. <laughs> yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah, and discovering um, discovering um, a few other professionals out there who were good enough to share kind of what they do and and teach, I suppose you could say, on their YouTube videos, and I started to to like what I was seeing in terms of product photography and food and drink and seeing some images that I'm thinking, oh, do you know what? As I was starting to learn more and understand a little bit more, realizing how much work has gone into a shot of, say, something like a bottle of beer next to a glass or um, a picture of a sandwich um, on a plate, it's something as simple as that, I would start to see the behind the scenes and realizing how much work went into that. But at the same time, realizing myself in my head that this is something I could attempt at home. Obviously, not to the level where you're going to see it on billboards outside, <laughs> um, outside like arenas and stuff like that. But um, I thought, do you know what, this is this is something I I want to give a go. And I, do you know what, I really enjoy it. Um, so I suppose you could say I, I've moved into now more than anything product photography and with a bit of a niche for food and drink. Um, and I've got, I've started to find my style. I'm start, I'm constantly learning every day, every time I pick up the camera and I, I get my studio set up, I'm learning new tricks and then I'm looking and studying, um, popular photography that's used out there in marketing and advertising and, and trying to see where like the light falls on the items and I'm trying to emulate that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a massive, massive rabbit hole. Um, oh yeah. I imagine it's. You, it, it's really interesting though, because you've said like you've, you've pretty much tried everything, you know, up until, yeah. you know, at this point, which is, is brilliant. And it's something that, I mean, we as photography trainers, uh, we're, we're always encouraging people to kind of just, yeah, try everything at least once. And then like you said, with weddings, you tried it, not your bag. Okay. Moved on, but at least you knew like the pros and cons to it. So if you ever needed to, you know, come back around to it, you knew what to expect in a sense, but I mean, specifically with like product photography, um, I mean, do you think it's, if there was somebody listening who, again, like yourself, maybe was looking to kind of carve a name for themselves or make some sort of small business on the side of what mm -hmm. they do with the nine to five, you know, what would, would you say it's kind of a good kind of area to pursue? I mean, have you found it kind of quite tricky, you know, over the past year or so that you've been kind of uh, in it pretty much full time? 
is it is it kind of as fun as you expected it to be or have you kind of seen some like really really big hurdles um i suppose you could say that it's it's definitely fun i am really enjoying it um one of the things I'm finding is that when, when I'm working with clients and working with other people that are wanting to be creative, so they've got their ideas and it's, and sometimes you'll have a, um, a quite a, a black and white sort of list of this is what we want to get out of the day or of, out of this shoot, which could be as, as, uh, as long as three, four days in some time, in some instances, um, you can have the black and white, but then I'm just finding them working with people that I enjoy working with. And I'm sure there's going to be, there's going to be times where you come up against somebody that you don't necessarily bond with and it might, it might not go right. And I would say I've experienced that a little bit less in my photography um, because I'm, I'm always sort of, I'm always pushing the client to find out if there's anything that isn't what they want at the time so we can get it done there and then we can make sure that we're, we're, we're where we want to be in terms of the shoot. Yeah. Um, but I'd say the biggest obstacle for somebody new getting getting it started. What I, what I found to be the biggest ob- obstacle is to get my portfolio together um, and then get it out in front of people. Um, but I mean, getting it out in front of people, I don't find difficult. I can, a little bit of an insight, I come from a corporate background, um, heavily focused on sales. So I've got no interest, um, interest. I've got no issue picking the phone up and um, chatting to someone who can make a decision uh, on spending money, whether it be for, a service or for photography in this instance, but I'm a bit of a perfectionist and I yeah. want to be able to put something in front of them that makes them go, Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've spent every opportunity that I've had free time this past year, I've spent trying to get another good picture to add my, to my portfolio. Um, and I would say from, from my learnings and, and speaking with other people and fr- from my own experience, I would say, if you're able to add a good picture to your portfolio every month, you're on a, you're doing well. Yeah, that it's a really kind of good uh, goal to to go for. I mean, we were just talking when we kind before we came on air about um, some of the the bottle shots and the Battenberg photographs that you take in that are very very distinctive, and I think they are brilliant elements to go into your portfolio because it shows that you're developing a brand and you're unique. And you're you're totally right. You've if you're going to go to um, a client or prospective client and say, "This is me. This is what I can do for you." It needs to look different from what everybody else is doing. It needs to look better than what they could think they could do themselves. Um, but you're so right. I mean, it's brilliant to have that kind of aim to, to go for. Do you kind of aim almost like every month to have a brand new shot in your portfolio? Yeah, I've, I've, I'm starting to get a bit um, anxious this month because I've, I've worked or every free opportunity I've had the past few weeks, I've been working. Um, so I've not had the chance to kind of just get myself into into my studio. And I say studio, it's a, it's it's a double garage of which one half has been converted into my studio in inverted commas. <laughs> got, enough, got enough plugs for my light and my computer and a speaker for me to listen to music. Um, <laughs> so that's all then, you need, isn't it? Though it's like <laughs> yeah. it can be a spare room. It can be you know people have converted people converted their their bathrooms into dark rooms years ago. So it doesn't have to be glamorous. Yeah. It's it's what comes out of it ultimately, isn't it? That, that's I'm always thing. I'm always ransacking the house for tables and bits of furniture. <laughs> And, and like a plant, like my wife will be like, "Where's that gone?" And I'll be like, "Oh, yeah, it's in the yeah. <laughs> um, But yeah, I've got, I've got, I'm, I'm constantly trying to think what I can add that will be similar to my style, but also 
captured the eye of my potential customer. Hmm. Um, and I, I think it, you, you want to you be careful in the sense that you don't want to always be thinking what, what will the customer like? What, what, just as, you need to find your style as a photographer and then put your style out there and then you will find the people that like your style. Yeah. It constantly work. Oh, sorry, go on. Sorry, no, I was going to say, it actually leads me on to a, a question I was going to ask about, obviously you're putting together a, a style and a brand and an image about yourself, but yeah. how, how do you kind of go out and go about kind of getting work from other brands and businesses? Is it a case that you're approaching them or do you find now because that you've got that style established that you're actually getting attention and people are, are contacting you organically? I've been fortunate in the sense that I've had um, some good work come in um, from a couple of brands that I'm hoping would push me on even further because the, the brands that you can find in, in major retailers and so on. Um, and they've literally put a search into Google looking for a product photographer. And I've, I mean, I don't know SEO, but I must have obviously typed the right thing on my website because they'd found my website and they'd looked through and seen some of my repetitive shots and the, the bold work that I've done and that captured their attention. Um, so I would say consistently putting it out there, um, there's, it, it can be a minefield because you could spend your entire life trying to perfect social media and social outlets to to like get the algorithm to show your work to the right people and so on but what i would just say is focus on your work keep continually improve yourself don't be afraid to go back and look at stuff that you've done previously and and after you learn a little bit more and criticize yourself because that's how you get better yeah. but just put it out there um my Instagram have been a bit slow on updating, but I've I've been putting a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. Um, I suppose with product photography and the, the avenue I'm going down, the, the, my customers are businesses. So I've been focusing a lot of effort on connecting to the art buyers, art directors, the people, the creative, uh, the people that make the creative decisions on behalf of brands on LinkedIn. And then I'm constantly trying to put regular work on LinkedIn, even if it's just a, a, an image that I've taken that day to show that I'm constantly working and, and pursuing perfection. That's, that's really good because uh, so many people have, have, you know, not been so narrow, but yeah, you, you think kind of Facebook, Instagram, those are the big outlets, which they are, but it's interesting that, yeah, when you're actually trying to approach businesses more than uh, kind of you know, people, you know, for like weddings and, and portraits, you'd be kind of contacting people on a more personal level, but on a business, are you finding LinkedIn as like a, a better platform to do that? I've had good conversations with people on LinkedIn and I'm, I'm currently in negotiation with a, a major restaurant chain for a potential shoot whether it comes through it's that's down to them to make that decision but we're, we're at the negotiation stage and that's come through linkedin um but i would say i would say that they can all benefit it's whether you capture the right person's eyes at the right time um, i think the limitation that you have with instagram is that unless you're absolutely huge on instagram the, the likelihood of somebody who can make a decision seeing your work without you finding them first. And I suppose you have to do that on LinkedIn. You need to find people and connect to them. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm more confident operating on LinkedIn because of my corporate background. And I'm, I'm, I have a bit of an idea of the sort of language that somebody looking for a service would want. Yeah. Um, and I know that there are going to be people out there that don't come from back, 
that background so what i would recommend is that you, you connect to people whether it be on facebook whether it be on linkedin whether it be on instagram um connect to people and start conversations um if if people are on instagram the likelihood is they're going to be um posting work that they've recently been working on so like creative directors or brand directors and so on they're going to be posting stuff that they're working on so initiate conversations be be visible on their feed um so they think oh who's this person and they, they may they'll look at your feed and if they like what you are doing then you're potentially gonna get a positive conversation out of it indeed that i mean that's brilliant advice for for anyone that's starting out because yeah you're you're so right i think a lot of the time you're at the mercy of the the algorithms with facebook and, and instagram so much that i think if you are constantly kind of getting in in, in people's faces in a nice way not aggressively <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> yeah it'd be like kind of look at me look what i can do for you and and it is you maybe have to be a little bit bullshy but you let your photography speak on, on that basis really and i think that's you know obviously given your how good your photography is and, and how good it's growing you're obviously getting great responses from it you know you know that you can you can get these uh, people who are parts of big chains and, uh, and big brands that they're actually getting your attention you're getting their attention and they're actually taking their time to you know come and speak to you they don't necessarily have to go to big studio owners and say i want you to do this that and the other for us because they're obviously looking for people with unique skills really but um sorry i think um one of the one of the pieces of advice that I would say is don't go in with the intention of selling. Um, obviously you want the end result to be the opportunity to, to sell your photography as a service and then, and then you build from that. But I think the best way that you can develop relationships in today's day and age, because everyone's so wise to people selling nowadays, yeah. um, is just develop a rapport with someone. Um, maybe just chat about what they're posting or, what what they seem to be doing and and just get that report slowly start building and then if you're posting regular work and they're they're communicating with you they're going to see that work and then i'm sure the opportunity to talk about uh working together will will come up or if you've got to a point where you've got a bit of a rapport with someone then say oh i just wanted to find my portfolio over to you i'd love to get some feedback and that's something i've done a couple of times i was unfortunate in losing a negotiation to do a shoot with a, a major um beer brand that has recently come to the uk from overseas mm. um but they like my work and I, I i started by just building a report talking to the, the people that mattered about beer yeah um and then i put it in front of them and then they ended up going with somebody else in the end <laughs> yeah but, but i mean yeah it, it happens that's that's just sod's law really in in you know world of freelancers unfortunately but you got that conversation and you got you know to the table somewhat all right maybe not got yeah. to the full end of it but we're, we're always saying that if you're looking for opportunities you know they will appear you photographers make their own look i think to a large degree you know whether that's just with the actual taking of the the photographs and such but also with the attitude if you're positive and you're going out there and you're looking for opportunities and you're you're trying to put yourself out there something you know karma comes around and, and, it, and it treats you well really but it, you kind of kind of jumped a little bit onto kind of one of the uh the the oh i get my words out properly one of the later questions that i've actually got here you're saying about words of advice now i was thinking this is something we ask a lot in the, or most of our interviews that if you were able to go back in time to kind of maybe like the early 2000s when you kind of started out with a camera with that that sony and if you knew yeah. you were going to be onto it you know be a photographer kind of you know the 20 years or so down the line 
is there a single kind of golden nugget bit of information or a bit of advice you would be able to give yourself if you could go back in time that would make your photography uh, a little bit easier or a bit more enjoyable or just something a little bit more direct? Is there anything that you could kind of sum up, um, you know, that would, that would make things a little bit more easier on you? Um, get out of auto. I suppose you could say and learn, learn the exposure triangle and understand what you need to do to get that photograph right first time. Yeah. Um, I think by, if we go back to, especially with your, your point and click disposable cameras, there, was, there were no settings on them. There were no settings on my, no. on my compact camera. I, th- I think there might have been an ISO. I think it might have gone up to ISO 400. Ooh. I didn't know what any of that meant. <laughs> um, and I think because of, because of not having to think about what I was doing and just pointing the camera and taking the picture, I wasn't, I wasn't learning. It was when I got my DSLR and by all means, I know you've got mirrorless now, you don't have to have a DSLR, you don't have to have a mirrorless, but I would say it's important to have the opportunity to adjust your settings because it makes you take so many more factors into account. Like you start thinking about light, you start thinking about um, where you need to be to make something clear, um, and then, of course, if you've got really high contrast in the scene, is that going to be something that's blowing out when you take the photo? And these are the sort of things that I never thought about until I had to think about them. Yeah. I didn't know until I needed to know. Yeah. Um, I, I, sorry. Well, yeah. I was going to say, you're, you're totally right. The basic skills are, are things that not are overlooked, but sometimes I think people rely a little bit too much on the camera to do the work. Yeah. Um, and it's all well and good that a lot of the times the camera could, you know, potentially get a decent shot, even in shooting an auto, you may be able to get something fairly decent, but you don't know how it's got there. You don't know how the camera has managed to adjust all the settings to get the exposure. And when you've not got the light and you, I should say, some cameras don't even have auto settings on it these days. Some DSLRs don't. And then you're in an absolute kind of uh, mire because you don't know what to change, how to change it to get, you know, the shots as good as like the auto does really. So I, I think you, you bang on to say that learning those basic skills, are, are, they're not, they're not kind of underrated or anything like that. You know, it, it's just, it's just the principles of photography, isn't it? I, um, I had a conversation with somebody recently that was going on about how technology is taking away the skill, um, taking skill out of things. And I think I, I kind of, I, my argument back was potentially, but in order for that technology to work correctly, you need to understand how to do it without the technology there. Yeah. So I think if you're able to um, use and manipulate your camera to get a good image without having to rely on anything else, then once you start to understand and get better at that, then you can utilize the technology to make your life easier. Yeah. I think technology it's good because it makes your life easier when you know how to use it correctly. Um, if you rely on it, it's going to, it's going to, it'll hinder. I, I believe it will definitely hinder you if you're relying on it to, to get your pictures or your images. Yeah. Yeah. I think you, you're right because there is limitations. There's limitations to all technology and the, the, core uh, elements to photography is time and light you know and to some degree you can manipulate light but if you're working kind of outdoors and the light's not perfect you need to know how to work that technology in your favor and if it, if it doesn't and if there's a limitation to it how you kind of work around things then so yeah i think it, it's like going back to school sometimes and just kind of learning those basic core skills as you say and not getting too 
carried away. Even when it gets to editing as well, I've started to notice a lot more AI functions creeping in a lot to, to oh, things like Photoshop. I hate them. You, you not, <laughs> do you not use them at all? No, not at all. <laughs> um, I, well, I think we, we touched on earlier before, before we um, went on air, um, one of the I love photography, but as much as I love photography, I love the bit that comes after and spending time in Photoshop to the point that I can. I can sometimes I'm up until like half past one in the morning when I know <laughs> I need to get up the next day for six o'clock for a little one, oh. and I'm shattered. But I'm just get completely lost in editing um, because I, I want to make sure that my image looks perfect yeah. before I put it out there, um, and I, even like the slightest hair that somebody might not notice, I would notice it. Mm. there's like a dust or a speck or there's a little bit of the plastic isn't perfect on on a on a lid on something i'll need to make sure that that's just right before i release the picture that's that's a occupational hazard i believe in our industry is that yeah people become uh, perfectionists and then we become ocd and then we get committed <laughs> i think i think it's part of a, a whole sequence and, yeah. <laughs> it's a well brilliant and it's been absolutely lovely talking to you but obviously on a podcast we, we uh we miss the uh, fantastic nature of being able to see all your photographs so we will put all the links in the description to your website um etc but can you give us um your your best addresses and where to find you online just so people can kind of check out the some some of the images we've been talking about yeah so the best place to find my product photography which i, I try and update as soon as we've got a picture ready would be um www.elementsphoto.co.uk um and when you land on the site you're pretty much into my portfolio um it's it, i still want to make it bigger i'd like to i'd like to have that landing page when you come on to it to have a good 40 50 shots on there but of course i mean we're, we're, if we go on one shot a month, we've still got a couple of years before we're going to get there yet. Um, and then you can find Andy Element is my Instagram handle, but that pretty much echoes the same as what you can find on my website. I would say I'm more active um, on Chester Elements on Instagram. Yeah. Chester Elements is where I suppose you could say my photography, um, my composition and, and my editing and everything really started to take off. Um, and that's where I still have a lot of my conversations with people on day to day, like yourself, it's where we met. Um, and it's where you can see a lot of my Chester slash street stuff that I like to take, um, which is more of a side project from work. It's, it's a bit of a, bit of an outlet, I suppose you could say, where I can go out, take time and just get a few photos of inanimate objects and, and post them. Yeah, brilliant. And, and we will put all the links to the description so people can have a look at those as well because I really implore you to do so because especially some of the, the, the photographs, I'm going to call it the Battenberg shot because that's something that's <laughs> caught my eye recently. Um, so if it just sounds really bizarre, then make sure if you're listening to go and check it out and you'll, you'll understand it because I think it's a brilliant demonstration of kind of style in photography. And we, we said it's almost kind of hitting the boundaries of like graphic design and almost looks a little bit of illustration um but it's amazing it's kind of all done with a camera so please do check it out but for myself andy and i photography it's been absolutely lovely talking to you um and hopefully we can do this again sometime maybe you know in a, another year when you've got more of those portfolio shots together yeah i'd be happy to catch up and we can uh, i've got a few ideas where to go after the battenberg shots and whatever um I like taking photographs of cakes and stuff like that. I think they, they lend themselves really well to the colours and the vivid, bold sort of style that I'm going for. So I'm having a bit of a back and forth at the moment in my mind as what's going to be next. So keep your eye out. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll make sure we kind of, uh, we find someone and we'll try and share some on our Instagram as well. Um, that'll be awesome as well. But yeah, from me, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on and, uh, and hopefully we'll catch up with you soon. Cool. Speak to you soon, bud.